are listening to Spurs Cast, episode 505. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Today that I am recording this episode, which is Wednesday, July 11th, we're recording at 7.37 p.m. Central Standard Time. Obviously, we got to put timestamps because Kawhi Leonard could get traded any minute, somebody could get signed, etc. Uh, I just want to let the listeners know when we're recording this. I have Colin Reed in studio. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, Colin's here. We, he was on this Spurs cast with me. Right before free agency began, Colin, you and I went through that through that episode, and uh, some of the stuff we talked about ended up happening. Uh, we talked about Tony Parker possibly Charlotte being a good home for him, and he ended up choosing Charlotte. We we gave some predictions on some of the market value of some of the players, and some of them have been kind of right there. If not, some of them are a little bit higher than we than we projected in our last podcast. So let's go ahead and get started, Colin. Um, we have four topics today for the Spurs Cast episode five hundred five. If you're on Twitter. Spurs fans, please follow him at Colin Reed PS. So, Colin, the first topic is the same one since all of last <laughs> season. It's Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, right now, summer league's going on. All the all thirty teams are in are in Vegas. You know, their GMs, head coaches, uh, executives, everybody's there in Vegas right now. So, so, there's a lot of chatter about Kawhi. He's basically a lot of journalists, different outlets have been writing that he's he's the main conversation amongst everyone. And while he's the he's the entire buzz of Las Vegas. No one literally knows what's going to happen. Like, there's just everyone just says like we. It's just so unpredictable what's going to end up happening with Kawhi. Um, you know, the latest noise from different reporters is that he is. Uh, you know, Philly's still an option for him. Obviously, the Lakers are still there. They've both those teams have taken off their most aggressive offers. Uh, another team that kind of came out of nowhere was uh, Toronto. Now, you know, Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post mentioned them as as a possible destination. Zach Lowe had had alluded to them just two weeks ago. So now there's some Raptors buzz, some Sixers buzz. Um, and you and I were kind of talking about this before the podcast. It's like, it's it. this is one of the, the, the weirdest, um, you know, players to be out on the market in a long time, just because you don't know exactly who's plugged in where and from what side. You know, obviously you trust your woad, you trust, you know, Mark Stein, those kind of guys, uh, Zach Lowe. But now, like, it's at the point where, like, we're having to go to other different avenues of, of reporting that we're not used to. Like I was telling you, is like somebody like Chris Carter from Fox Sports um, FS1. He's, he's he's a former NFL player. You wouldn't think of him being as a guy who's plugged into the to the NBA circuit. But he actually is just because he has a, a former um, – he, he used to be the, the – um, his, his old agent was Kawhi's current agent, Tim Frankel, I think is his name. So Kawhi's current agent comes from the from the NFL world, and and you know obviously Chris Carter was was a former player who used to have him as an agent, so he's plugged in somehow because he he's been letting out some information out in the public. Um, his latest thing that he he let out, I saw an interview with him or on his show that they have. I don't even know what's called anyway. Um, you know, was that that basically he let out that when Kawhi and Pop met the week of the draft, that Pop basically said. Uh, that he's, you know, they are going to probably try to work with trading Kawhi and, and trying to make him happy in the destinations they choose. Now, again, that's coming from Carter in that interview. And, you know, right now there's a lot of, you know, like I mentioned, there's a lot of media that usually don't don't go to for sourcing on, you know, on, on a lot of these, on a lot of NBA issues. But right now you kind of have to leave the door open. What's your um, latest thinking on the latest uh, rumors regarding Kawhi? Yeah, it really kind of has just seemed like there's a bunch of information coming from everywhere. And, you know, the people that, like you mentioned, you really trust. It, it actually is interesting how, like, some of the the people that are really trustworthy will contradict each other, and they'll kind of corroborate with corroborate some of the things that people are saying that you know you might not always like take them as like a source or whatever. So it becomes very strange, and you kind of have to pick and choose what you take. 
Uh, it is kind of easy when you look at it, and this is like like I've kind of said from the beginning. It's really interesting. It's really easy to see like okay, this information is coming from like Kawhi and his team, and this information is coming from the Spurs, and so it's just like okay, do you believe what Kawhi and his team are putting out, or do you believe the Spurs? Because those are contradicting each other sometimes. Uh, but that that kind of is a really interesting thing to see. Um, you know, I know it, it seems like that's kind of always been uh, Pop and RC's thing with players is kind of trying to make uh, do right by them. But you know, they still are a business and they still have to get a good return. So they're not going to like trade him to the Lakers for for free or anything. And uh, so, so it will be interesting. I think the fact that the Raptors have gained steam is really interesting. Um, it, it's interesting to see maybe what they would include to, to make that happen. But um, at the very beginning, I kind of thought Philly was the most logical option. And then with how strong the Lakers seemed to think, I kind of kind of fell off that and thought, okay, what's well, going to be the Lakers? But, you know, it's kind of coming to the forefront to me. That I think that they're the front runners again. Yeah, I think I think so. I think Philly kind of looks like the front runners. There's been reports that he's willing to re-sign there as well. Now that's starting to come out by a few journalists um, too. So maybe maybe it is Philly. Um you know, one one area where Pop may may meet Kawhi again in front of a lot of different players is at the Team USA minicamp coming up from July 25th through 27th. Now, as our John Diaz um, put on Project Spurs in an article about the deadlines, um, that 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 will take place July 26th through 27th in terms of the practice time. So, we don't know yet if Kawhi's going to show up and play and participate in that minicamp. You know, that's still pretty far away. Like John noted in his piece, that you know he's missed two of them before in the past. It's it's not uncommon for him to miss. Uh, whether it's um, it was back in that time, it was injury related one part, and then also family, personal family um, reasons on the other on the other side. So uh, we will see if maybe you know things turn a little bit different uh, at that at that time. Maybe he starts talking to some players. Maybe uh, he and Pop can can mend that relationship uh, in terms of um, for, for the for the for the better of the of the Spurs franchise at least. Maybe working something out to where eventually. The Spurs can down the line maybe before October 16th offer that supermax and maybe get him resigned. If not, maybe they, of course they'll still look to trade him. So again, we're that, that next kind of unless something here right now it looks like it's all quiet right now. You know, on the Kawhi front, it doesn't look like no one's putting out any kind of aggressive offers to the Spurs. And then even if they are, they don't. From what we're hearing, different reports, we don't know if the Spurs. You know, they're just basically adding it to their board. They're not actually keeping these offers like like replying to teams as aggressively. But um. You know, one thing I was thinking about is like, like we mentioned, you know, right now the, it doesn't look like the Spurs have a lot of leverage because what we're hearing from a lot of different reporters, you know, is that one teams are afraid that Kawhi is not healthy. They haven't seen him play. I mean, think about it. He hasn't played MVP level Kawhi basketball in over a year since he got hurt against uh, the Warriors in that series against Zaza Pachulia. It's been more than a year now since we've seen him play at at his at his at his elite level. That's the first part. Is teams don't know if he's if he's um if he's healthy. The second part is. Uh, they don't know if he's going to stick around, uh, if he's going to re-sign. From what Zach Lowe's report is that that teams haven't been able to talk to Kawhi and his agent. You know, they haven't been been granted that access, so so that they can at least see, uh, check in with him if he's going to want to re-sign if, if they do trade for him. So my new question to you is: Do you think that the Spurs need to, if they can't get him traded over the summer, do you think that they need to just like give him a good ten to fifteen game sample size to go back out into the full NBA rotation? Show that he can be at that dominant, you know, Kawhi level, MVP type level, and then do you think that would spark the interest of other teams where maybe they they um and they'd um you know put more put more on the table to try to trade for Kawhi? Yeah, and it's definitely a risk because on both sides because once you go into the season and training camp is over and you're kind of having to learn on the fly um, to 
to try to trade for Kawhi and think, okay, well now he's going to leave instead of in 82 games, he might leave in 70 games or whatever. But uh, and, and it's risk for Kawhi because what if he comes back and he's rusty and he's not looking as good? Now the Spurs have even less leverage. But if it works out where he does look like he's an MVP caliber player, I do think that like the Spurs gain a whole lot of leverage there because now um, teams know that he's healthy. And if he made it through all of training camp and he's playing like 10 games or so, you know, the other teams probably have their scouts watching him and they know how confident they feel about whether he could play that way over a longer extended period of time. So I think that that's a risk. And, you know, with the training camp coming up, I think it actually would really benefit him to go for that same reason. Like it's not, you know, NBA speed basketball, but like just to like practice in that for um, maybe other players and, and such to kind of see how he's playing at that level. And it would definitely get around if he looks like he's his old self or if, if he still looks a little hampered. But if, if for whatever reason that falls through, I think that, you know, playing the beginning of the season might be the best option for both sides if it works out. Okay, yeah, that, that's actually a great point that you just brought up that I wasn't even thinking about. What if he doesn't look good, though? Mm-hmm. That, you know, like you just mentioned, they lose a lot of leverage that way. I mean, there was already lost leverage right now just because they haven't seen him play in a year. And then what if he definitely just looks like those nine games that we saw last year? Uh, and then maybe the injury still kind of c- coming up. You never know. So, I mean, Spurs, Spurs cast listeners, this is kind of the situation the Spurs find themselves in. It's not really a win-win either way. You know, like like Colin just mentioned, it's about what kind of risks do the Spurs want to take, you know, to try to get more leverage on their side in terms of getting a better trade package than from what, what um, these teams have been not offering, basically. You know, we've heard that the Sixers have basically taken Fultz off the table, Markel Fultz. The Celtics have taken Jalen Brown. Uh, the Lakers have not, you know, put in both Ingram and Kuzma in packages. I, I've heard and even Ingram hasn't been um, rumored to be in any kind of packages anymore ever since they got LeBron to sign. So... You know, it's an interesting time for the Spurs and, you know, for, for, for the Spurs fans, for us here at Project Spurs writing on the website. I mean, we're kind of just still on Kawhi watch, see what happens, uh, to, to see what happens in the future, you know, whether he stays long term or he gets dealt and we'll just have to continue. This could drag on to the whole summer and even into the season, like Colin just mentioned. All right, Colin, let's move on to our second topic. And that's, um, the Spurs' new signings. So last time when I recorded with, uh, Michael DeLeon and John Diaz a week ago, uh, that was when uh, Rudy Gay had had re-signed and also Marco Bellinelli uh, agreed to sign. Since that time has passed, uh, the Spurs have, have re-upped with um, Davis Bertans. On Monday, it was reported that he was going to sign for a four-year deal for $20 million. Um, but then later on in the evening, that report got shot down where, uh, th- you know, his agent came out and basically said that, no, that's not, we're still working on, on different things. Um and then it came it came out on Tuesday that, that they did co- finally come to an agreement, a verbal agreement, uh, for D- Bertans to re-sign for two years, $14.5 million. He got signed on Wednesday, the day that you and I were recording this, um, and his agent tweeted that uh, it was for for a guaranteed two years at $14.5 million. So we're saying like $7.2 million, uh, per season. Now, that's a little bit more than you and I had pro- projected in our... In our um, in our in our in our last episode when you and I recorded, we were trying to make some some projections. We had said like I think the max was like five million. We think Bertans would get, and that initial offer sounded like that, like we were right there. But now this sounds like more. Now I had a source tell me that there, there were definitely two teams kind of try, trying to you know work with with signing him as well. So maybe the Spurs would have gotten to a, a matching offer, you know, kind of match like how they they lost Kyle Anderson that way in restricted free agency. So maybe they did have to increase the offer just a little bit just to get him back. Uh, we don't know if that's the, the the real thing. That's just what what, what I've heard. Um, so, what do you think about Bertans back now at seven and a half? Seven for now, we're guessing it's like seven point two million. We haven't got the uh, contract numbers, right? You know, I think uh, that was probably a little bit more than the the Spurs had thought they were going to sign him for coming into the off season. 
but obviously it was, it was a signing that they were willing to make. I know that, you know, last year, especially in the playoffs and later in the year, he didn't shoot quite as well uh, as he, you know, has been known to. Um, but I think that their thought is, you know, that's kind of the way the NBA is going, where you need a big who can stretch the floor. And if he can shoot at the level that he's capable of shooting at, like that's a really valuable player, even as a bench player, um, to kind of be in the big rotation. Because, you know, even even now, like the Spurs' big rotation is, is still a little thin. <laughs> yeah. um, their whole front court, really. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's it's not necessarily about, in a vacuum, what are his skills, but... Like, how valuable can he be for this Spurs team right now? And that might be, you know, 7.2 to 7.5 million just because of kind of some of the other stuff they lack and some of the other certainty they don't have. Yeah, I think what you're going to really see is that he's going to get increased minutes. So it's going to be up to him whether or not he's going to make that that that, that jump. Because um, you're going to see that, you know, like you mentioned, their front court is very thin right now. Literally on the roster right now, all they have is uh, Pal Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge. That's it in terms of bigs, where they play those minutes at the 4-5. So he may get some 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 minutes next year, maybe as a small ball five in terms of an all shooting lineup, like we saw what the Houston Rockets did in the playoffs, where they put PJ Tucker as as their center at, for a few minutes there. Uh, and if not, he's going to basically be taking a lot of um, minutes at the four, whether it's off the bench or starting, because you know he's basically the only the only substitute for Rudy Gay right now. Now that Kyle Anderson's definitely uh, gone, they don't really have another player who can kind of play at that four position. So. I think that you're going to see, you know, he's probably definitely going to work this offseason on more of his his um his his secondary ball handling in case like you know somebody runs him off the three point line trying to get in the middle of the paint, kick it out, or try to finish at the rim, or get to the foul line. I think those are some skills he needs to work on, uh, and he will get in- increased minutes now as, as we can tell, especially if they're investing fourteen and a half million in him for two years. I think you're going to see that um, some more development from Bertens. Uh, the next player, Colin, is uh, Bryn Forbes. He is re-signing for, on a two-year deal. We we have not gotten the numbers just yet on him. Sham Sharani of Yahoo reported this on Tuesday that he's going to re-sign. So we don't know the, the, what numbers, uh, how much he's getting paid yet. But I'm guessing, you know, this is just a guess just because uh, uh, this is, you know, we haven't got the real numbers. I'm guessing it's around $2.5 million per season. Um, could, you know, Bobby Marks, uh, ESPN, um, you know, general manager kind of kind of guy. Not what is he? He's the uh, like the yeah, like the, <laughs> the front office insider. The front office insider. Yeah. There you go. Not general manager. He used to be working at an executive position. Anyway, Bobby Marks before free agency began had said that uh, he he was projecting Forbes's value to be in that two to three million dollar range. So if it is in that two and a half million, we'll just say for now range. Is do you how do you feel about that signing bringing Forbes back? You know, I think he's another player who can kind of provide. I, and I, again, there was times last year where it was. He kind of had a down year, uh, and there's a lot of reasons we, you know, we talked about it all season long on here about why different players struggled last year, uh, and reasons why we might we might believe that those struggles can be fixed for this season. But really, the Spurs just in almost all of their sh- signings have showed it. They really liked shooting last year, and uh, they definitely made it a priority this off season. Um, I think that uh, for 2.2 million to get a player who knows the system and who, who is capable of being a, a good shooter. And, you know, uh, maybe athletically he always isn't matched defensively as well, but he definitely has the effort to do what is needed. So I, I think that all those things to get him for a couple years uh, for $2.2 million, you know, per year is what we're thinking, maybe. Uh, I, I don't think that's a bad signing at all. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's We haven't got the numbers yet, so that'll kind of justify, you know, that'll – 
that as far as judging this this contract, it'll be, it with the money's gonna be a little bit more important in terms of like if it's like a five or six, maybe that's a little bit too much. But if it's like you know like two to three million, like we were mentioning, maybe that, that's a good deal for there for Forbes to have for back for two years. You know he's a proven shooter in this league, and he already played a lot of minutes off the bench last year. Um, you know now that they have these four signings, Colin, I, I do want to ask what kind of team do you think they're building? Um, you know, it's very tough to tell just because, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. He could still be on this team starting next year. If not, he could get moved sometimes, anytime this summer. So one thing I want to note, though, is like you mentioned, their three-point shooting. Um, last year, they shot 35.2% from three, which is 26th in NBA. Now, just I, I, I did some stat crunching here, and I just took the current players that are back. I added Bellinelli. I have not put Walker fourth and Walker the fourth, Lonnie Walker the fourth in this projection. And with just last year's data alone, even Kawhi, uh, the Spurs would have shot 35.9% from three, which moves them all the way up to 18th. So really, you're taking Parker out, you're taking Anderson shooting out, uh, Joffrey Laverne, Matt Costello, those guys. And now you're adding in just the players that are on this team right now, including Bellinelli. And all of a sudden, you've, got, you've jumped from 26th to 18th. Um, so so what my, my, my ideas here are is that they're trying to build a team that's going to have more shooting around Aldridge. Number one playmaker for now until we know what happens with Kawhi. Rudy Gay, secondary probably, and then DeJounte Murray, who we know, you know, his jumper looks better in, in Instagram videos, but we don't know exactly yet if he can shoot. Uh, if, if, I mean, he, we can know he can shoot, but not at that level where where, it's, where he's shown a lot of progress until the season starts. So what what kind of team do you see them building right now, um, you know, with this uncertainty regarding Kawhi? Those were actually my exact thoughts, and I think that that was one of the big things that uh, Rudy Gay showed during the playoffs is that he's capable of being he's still capable of being the primary like offensive load. Um, so I think that it's going to be four a lot of the times, and sometimes obviously Rudy Gay and Aldridge are going to play at the same time, but it's going to be a lot of the times I think four shooters around a player like that, or Murray and Aldridge and three shooters, or Aldridge and Rudy Gay and three shooters. They're going to try to have as much shooting around like their primary playmakers, and they're really going to, um, I think, because they'll have a whole training camp this time where they are going to imagine you know, that they're not going to end the season with Kawhi, they can work a lot more on, on types of things where they have the shooters working on cuts and stuff where the ball is going to be coming from the post instead of like where Leonard would be passing it to them. So I think that that's going to improve the shooting even there for players like Bertans and Forbes who maybe were like used to getting in rhythm in a certain spot, and that was how they drew up the playbook. But like with Kawhi being out so much, they kind of had to rewrite it mid-year. So I, I think it's going to be... Like uh, strong offensive playmakers surrounded by shooters is pretty much what I think they're going for right now. Yeah, and as you can see by the roster, I mean, um, you know, if you look at the roster based on cleaningtheglass.com's um, positions, rankings, or like how they how they label players according to their position, you have Dejounte Murray as the only point. You have uh, Patty Mills as the only combo guard, and then you have everyone else is basically a wing. And then you have you know Rudy Gay is the only forward, and then you have. Um, like I mentioned, Biggs are Bertans, Aldridge, and Gasol. So you have a lot of wings in there. You have Manu, Marco, Danny Green, uh, who, who am I missing? Lonnie Walker, the fourth, most likely, Derek White. So you just have a lot of lineups, like you mentioned, where Pop can just throw, um, you know, as long as there's three, as long as there's one ball handler, main ball handler who can run the offense, and you can just throw different lineups out there with, with, you know, three or four different shooters. Guys who can also, if you run them off the line, like, like we're seeing like with Derek White, who can run a pick and roll. Um, you're seeing that, you know, Lonnie Walker, the fourth's obviously very young. I don't think he's going to get a lot of minutes just yet, unless, you know, somebody gets, tra- players get traded. But, but, you know, there's, there's definitely, some, uh, they're going to be a more perimeter oriented team, I think, is what you're going to see a little bit more next year in terms of um, their secondary playmaking. Uh, staying on the roster right now, Colin, uh, you know, 
right now they have 14 spots filled. Now, once they sign uh, officially signed Bertans and Forbes, they will have 14 spots filled, and, and you can only have 15 players on an NBA team plus two two way contracts. Now, Brandon Paul does have a um, non guaranteed deal up until August 1st. So basically, if he's not waived by August 1st, then he uh, becomes guaranteed. Now, what do you think they're going to do with that last spot? Do you think because you know they've they've had some second round picks playing very well? They have Chemezi Metsu playing very well in summer league right now, and Jaron Blossom game. Uh, and then of course they still have Darren Hilliard out there in restricted free agency. And then of course you know they still have some money they can use the three point three million dollar biannual exception to add a veteran player or the two, or the two point seven million other mid level exception. So from now until at least training camp, what do you think they're going to do with that that open spot right now? You know, it, it seems like oftentimes when they get down to, to 14 spots like that, that they usually do decide it in training camp. Um, and with Metsu and Blossom game playing so well, you can imagine. I know that there's a lot of complications with, like, bringing second-round picks to training camp and not signing them. So that, that could be a risk if, if, you know, that doesn't work out. But um, I could see them bringing one or maybe even both to kind of evaluate their long-term prospects on the Spurs um, into training camp and kind of making a decision then. But like I said, you know, there's risk associated with that if you if you believe in their potential to grow and you can only sign one of them. And then, you know, because they're second-round picks, if they come into training camp, I know that has some some stipulations attached to it. So um, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be one of those things that will probably come down to training camp like they've done in years past. Okay, I agree with you. I just feel like, you know, they always want to have flexibility. Having 14 players in the roster is a little bit um, safe, more safe, should I say. The one interesting player, which we, I was going to get to in the next segment, but we might as well just talk about him now, is Brandon Paul. Because he really can't wait until training camp because his contract will guarantee on August 1st. So they got to kind of have a decision on him before that time. Um, I found it very interesting that they didn't t- uh, put him on the summer league rosters. You know, but then also they didn't just waive him. You know, I, I was thinking maybe he shows up, he has to go to summer league and then show, you know, show more progress. And then maybe they would, you know, they would make their decision on whether or not to waive him. So for now, I almost because like training camp doesn't open till late September, and so Paul, there will there will have to be a decision on Paul before that time on August first. So I'm almost thinking like they're they're they're, they're anticipating they're going to keep him on the roster going into training camp. So I think that his contract will guarantee at that 1.3 million. What do you think about Paul? Yeah, I think you know that that is an interesting point. I didn't even think about you know the fact that they didn't bring him to summer league, but you know maybe it was one of those things where. Um, you know, they know what they have with him. And, and he's definitely maybe the type of player that would would be, you know, great at Summer League after having played a full NBA season. So uh, they maybe wanted to give that time to those other players who they wanted to see how, how they've developed or how good they may have been or how good they were coming straight out of college. And so maybe it's one of those things where they're kind of thinking, you know, you know obviously improvement can happen, but we kind of know what we got with him. And uh, maybe their decision will be made on him based on what they see with the other players at Summer League some of the second round pick guys that we talked about. But mm-hmm. I definitely think the fact that they didn't bring him at all is interesting. And the fact that they haven't waived him yet, you know, unless, unless another option comes up that just seems obvious to them, it does sound like there's a good chance they'll just keep him on the roster. That, that's a good point. I think, I think that's kind of where he stands in terms of um, his roster spot is like, unless a free agent is there that they absolutely want to sign, then I think they might waive him before August 1st. Or if one of these second round picks, you know, just has a, uh, you know, they, they've shown really good strides in summer league, but I don't know if they've shown the, the, um, you know, the actual, like, the Spurs have to give them a spot. I don't know if that's that kind of play has, has been shown there from those players like Metu and uh, and Blossom Games. So unless those players, you know, 
unless somebody in the front office is really, really needs to have that player on the roster next season, then I think then you would see down the line, Paul does get away before August 1st. So I think we're both in agreement that I think unless, you know, unless you see the Spurs sign somebody else, um, whether it's one of these second round picks or um, some outside free agent, then I think that Paul's spot is kind of secure right now. So we'll kind of just monitor his situation again. They have until August 1st to make that decision. Okay, Spurscast listeners, Colin and I are going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 505. My name is Paul Garcia. I'm the host of SpursCast. I am joined in studio by Colin Reed of Project Spurs. If you're on tw- if you're on Twitter, follow him at Colin Reed PS. Our next segment, Colin, let's go ahead and go to um, two Spurs, former Spurs players who just depart, who who, uh, who left to other teams. Um, Tony Parker, surprisingly, well, not too surprisingly, you know, based on his situation, uh, he went to the Charlotte Hornets, t- $10 million for two years. Uh, and then Kyle Anderson, uh, you know, signed an offer sheet with the Grizzlies, $37 million for four years with a 15% trade kicker. The Spurs did kind of go all the way until Sunday to, to figure it out if they were going to match or not. They decided not to match. And now those two players are gone from the roster. Um, obviously, Parker was a big it was big news when, when he made that decision just because of the, the history he has with the Spurs franchise. He's going to, you know, we know one day he's going to have his, his jersey retired up there in the AT&T Center rafters. But like you and I had talked about on the podcast, you know, just a few weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, Parker was he was at that age thirty five where he's still looking for playing time and we like we said he would probably just be on the Spurs a third or fourth option. There was no guaranteed minutes for him, uh, the money wise too. I think it was reported that um, what was uh, no, it wasn't Parker. Somebody else. I think it was Anderson. They, they were the money the money numbers came out. Anyway, we didn't we don't know exactly what the money was with Parker's situation, but he's getting five million from the from the uh, Hornets. And you know he's there he, in his interviews with with their with their media. He's basically said that you know he, he's always wanted to play for his childhood icon, which is Michael Jordan. So now you know Michael Jordan's the owner there. Uh, then he's got um, you know he's got his friendship with uh, Nicolas Batum, his fellow countryman from France. They're very close as well. So he gets to spend two years there. And like I mentioned on Twitter, when he first signed, he only signed a two year deal, and that will take him up to year nineteen in his career. So maybe if he still wants to go the full twenty years, like he's always said publicly. Maybe after that two-year deal in Charlotte, he, if he's ready to kind of finally play that mentorship role in San Antonio and just be like a third or fourth option point guard, maybe he does sign a one-year deal with the Spurs and then, and then call it you know, a career. What did you think about the Parker signing? You know, it was one of those things that you and I had discussed before on the podcast, but you know, also just in conversation. It was completely unsurprising. It was something I definitely thought was going to happen, but when it happened, it was still very weird. Like, okay, Tony Parker's not going to be a Spur. 
Uh, it was very easy to think about it and talk about it, but like once it was actually reality, it was like, okay, this is very strange to even imagine him in another jersey. Uh, but I, I agree pretty much with what everything that you said. I know it was reported early on that the Spurs were interested in bringing him back, and he was interested in coming back if the numbers matched. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen. But I, I actually think that it was more role than money. I think, you know, the Spurs, like you said, it was, it was more of not exactly this, but kind of how Matt Bonner was a couple years ago, where he really didn't play much at all, but he was just that locker room guy. Um, and Parker probably would have played a little bit more than that, but I think that's what they were interested in bringing him back for, and I don't think that's what he was interested in doing with some of the last couple of years of his career. So I think just the fact that they couldn't offer him the role that Charlotte could was the big tipping point. Um, but it is very, very kind. It'll, it'll be strange to see him in another jersey on opening night. Yeah, so so obviously you know we'll, we'll it'll be weird just watching you know when the calendar comes out we're gonna definitely circle those days when the Spurs play the Charlotte Hornets or even like when you have league pass maybe you can just watch Tony in a Hornets uniform and he's gonna get some playing time you know especially only behind Kemba Walker um, so and then you know oh his coach too was uh, James Borrego former Spurs assistant was a big reason for him going over there as well um, so now that Parker's gone uh, we obviously have to look forward to not forward to but kind of wait to see what happens with Monte Ginobili. Um, whether or not he's going to retire or continue playing. And we don't know when he'll make that decision. It'll be coming up sometime this summer. He usually he made it last year on July 18th, so we'll kind of keep an eye out for when Manu makes his his announcement whether he's going to come back or not. Uh, the other player, Colin, was Kyle Anderson. Like I mentioned, I think that the Spurs might have um, matched that offer sheet. Now, they gave him Charlie gave him the uh, $8.6 million um, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Reportedly, by this Express News, the Spurs only wanted to give him basically like five million a year. Is what it was, if what I think I read correctly. So it was a little bit more money. I don't think the money was a huge issue. I think it was that fifteen percent trade kicker, because basically Kyle's making like eight point six, nine, nine point two, you know, down the line for four years. That's not so bad as as a salary. That's almost like the average NBA salary, uh, and that's a tradable contract just because Kyle's a good good role player. You know, you know, definitely picked up his defense. Teams could see that he's a really valuable player um, in his role. Uh, now that now that Kawhi was hurt last year, so he got to showcase his skills, and so now he's going to definitely probably have a starting spot in, in, in Memphis. But the problem was it was that fifteen percent trade kicker where Kyle's salary all of a sudden if he gets traded at any time he gets his his salary increases from like nine million to like ten million from like nine point two to like eleven. You know, it's it's like those kind of numbers all of a sudden now he's a double digit um, in terms of millions of dollars. Uh, contract and if the Spurs did want to open cast base you know with a lot of free agents coming next summer that does become a little bit more tough considering they probably still have to move Patty Mills and Pal Gasol down the line if they do want to become players in the free agent market for a lot of those all-star players so what did you think about Kyle and the team not matching on his uh his uh, offer sheet I was surprised when I had heard that the Grizzlies initially had offered him that contract especially with the the trade kicker uh and my first thought was okay there's no way the Spurs are going to match this and that was kind of what the discourse seemed to be. And then they kind of started taking a while. And you would sit back and think about kind of how valuable he was to the team last year. Um, and it was like, okay, they actually they actually might match this, you know, because they did take it until Sunday. Uh, but then ultimately, you know, they, they did make that decision, which is, like I said, kind of what it seemed like they would do at first. Um, and it is crazy to think, um, I was talking to someone about this, how he played so well last year. And the Spurs really were only, like, one or two games out of the playoffs. So, like, he could have been a player that, like, helped them get over the hump. And, you know, I think, like I said, I think so many players are going to have better years across the board. But it is just kind of interesting to lose a player that maybe was instrumental in you making it to the playoffs at all. Um, but it was kind of interesting that the Grizzlies made that push. Um, and I, I'm wondering if it's one of those things where 
you know, they're they're projecting, you know, oh, we're going to try to win 50 games this year, but they know, like, if they need to go into rebuilding mode, now they have, like, a younger guy who they can kind of, like, fit together with some other younger pieces. It's, it seems kind of like a hedge move in that regards. Yeah, exactly. He's only 24 years old, so he's, you know, he's just barely, he's still young. He can still develop, but he can still be uh, really good for, for the, the core guys they have there, like Mike Conley and, um, and Marcus Saul, but then also if they do want to go into rebuilding mode down the road or, or trade those players, because um, I think they're both, uh, I think Saul's expiring, his expiring contract, and then Conley's the year after, I think. Anyway, um, or, or a few years after that. Anyway, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, he, he could also start transitioning into that area of uh, playing with the, um, you know, with the, with the younger players that Memphis has there. Uh, the, the, the last part of this this segment is um, Darren Hillier, like I mentioned, he has a $1.3 million qualifying offer still out there. An interesting date to watch now is is uh, July 13th because on that day the Spurs can pull his qualifying offer. And if they do that, that means that they don't need his permission in the future to uh, pull it. If, if they don't pull it by, by, by the um, – withdraw it from by the 13th, then it, then he has to have – they have to get his permission to withdraw it. Right now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with uh, Hillier. There hasn't really been a lot of noise on him, and like I mentioned, Brandon Paul is the, only, the other the other free agent, to, not the free agent, free agent, the other player to watch with his uh, his August first um, date there for his non guaranteed contract. Okay, uh, the last segment here is we're just going to cover a little bit of summer league. Um, you know, it's almost over here. The Spurs play on Thursday, which is the day this this um, Spurs cast is going up. They play at seven p.m. against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, just a few numbers. The Spurs are, are one and two right now in the Las Vegas portion of the summer league. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth is averaging thirteen point seven points, three point seven rebounds, and one point seven steals. Derek White has been injured since uh, the second game. Uh, he has a right hamstring strain, so they've been kind of keeping him out. Chemezi Metu also got hurt in that second game with a left wrist sprain. He's averaging twelve and a half points, two assists, and six and a half rebounds. Uh, Jeff McDonald, the Express News, already reported that he's out for the remainder of the summer league. So. The Spurs most likely have two games left in Summer League um, if, if they were to lose uh, the next game. But uh, if, if not, Metu's out for sure. And then Jaron Blossom, like I mentioned, is, is playing very well for them. He's their leading scorer, 14 points, uh, 7.7 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks. Um, just have you had any kind of thoughts or impressions on, on any of these players? Yeah, I think um, it's just kind of interesting to see what uh, Summer League is for. Um, you know, being there in person last year and kind of watching the games from that perspective, it was really interesting to see like some of the players that had played before, like Dejounte Murray. You know, you could obviously tell they were going out to try specific new things, um, or a player like Blossom Game or White, who you know has maybe improved a lot since their last summer league and were in the G League for most of the season. Um, they have an opportunity to show their skills, um, and then I think for a player like. Walker, it kind of goes to show, like, you know, a lot of times at Summer League, uh, rookies can have these up and down games that don't really translate to the NBA, but I do think it's good to see that he's able to put his, like, full school skill set on display in some of these games, you know, maybe despite having a rough start, so. Yeah, you know, I'll just, I'll just touch, I'll just give a few thoughts on, on each player that, that, from what I watch, I've watched all the games. Um, Walker, the fourth, I found it interesting that they started giving him more um, point guard duty now ever since Derek White got hurt. So he's getting to showcase that combo guard skill that, that R.C. Buford mentioned on draft night where he had to play some of the one at Miami whenever one of their point guards got hurt. And, and you know, he's he, he, he'll have turnovers every now and then on pick and roll. He can I, One thing I like is his spot-up shooting. He's, he's definitely has good form. You can just tell he, this kid can make threes. Um, I wrote down his numbers earlier. He's already, aver- he's already shooting 38% in Vegas, um, 2.7 threes a game. So if it's a wide-open spot-up shot, Walker's capable of making it, and that's a good thing for the Spurs going forward. Um, you know, Playmaking-wise, like I mentioned, he does turn it over a, l- a little bit. 
And then also, you know, he has some, you know, just his athleticism is, is definitely on display. He had a crazy um, put down, put put back um, dunk in one play. He, uh, he like crossed this guy over and it was all, it was all over Twitter for, for another play. Um, you know, he, he kind of relies a little bit more on his mid range game. Whenever he, uh, he beats his initial defender, he doesn't really go to the rim as much, but you know, he, he's a young kid. He's definitely, he's definitely made strides from the first time I've seen him at those first two games. I saw him in Utah. He looks a lot more comfortable at the NBA level and, you know, based on what I've seen right now, I still would think that he's going to spend more time in Austin. But you never know how he plays in preseason, and then the early part of the season, maybe Pop starts giving him more minutes. That's that's not uncommon for for Pop. Um, let's see here, who else? Uh, Derek White, like I mentioned, I, I think I think his best games were in that that uh, Utah series. You know, the summer league. Uh, and I, I mentioned my thoughts on him at the uh, on the last podcast with uh, with John and Mike, and I just felt like his his handle the pick and roll is just something that they don't have on the on the roster right now. Uh, outside of outside of yeah, actually he is. I mean, outside of Kawhi, really. Um, Chemezi Metu, you know, he's he's been a really good uh, uh, defensive, energetic player. Kind of knows where he's supposed to be. His his jump shot before he got hurt has really impressed me. I didn't think he had that that pull up jumper. You know, from mid range, he's also spread the floor a few times and, and trying to shoot some threes. And then Jaron Blossom game. Uh, he, he's definitely played a lot better in Vegas. You know, I, I wasn't as high on him last time I recorded with John and Mike. You know, compared to the Utah game, but now like. His his mid range jumper is there. He's he's really confident taking that shot. His three point shooter, he still won't take it unless it's absolutely wide open. Uh, and he's a very physical player, a really good defender. Knows where he's supposed to be. So I would not be surprised if they did ex- you know give him a training camp invite. Um, so that's kind of where the Spurs are at with the, uh, the Las Vegas Summer League. Thank you, Spurs Cast listeners, for listening to this episode five hundred five with myself and, and Colin Reed. If you're on if you're on uh, Twitter, please follow us at Project Spurs at AT League underscore NBA at the Spurs Cast and at Project Spurs Network. Visit us online at ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you. Have a great day.